Welcome to the Blue Collar Gold Podcast, the podcast that shows you how to build a world-class service business from the dirt up. And now your host, Mark Stoner. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Blue Collar Gold Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Stoner. Thank you again for joining me this week. I want to replay another of our Surefire Lives. I... You know, I've had some really great guests on that program, and I know a lot of my podcast listeners don't necessarily catch it. And this a couple of weeks ago, I had on a guy that is helping us with burnout. Our teams, he helps high performance teams with burnout. His name is Drew McClure, and his business is called Mitchell McClure. And I will put a link to his company in the show notes. But I've be, I've recently went through a program with him, a, a kind of a starter thing with his company. And I didn't know if it was going to be too woo-woo and too new age. I didn't really know what it was. So I, I brought 10 of us through for like a maybe an hour and a half course, 90 minutes. Man, when we got done with this thing, everybody was talking about it. We all felt better. We all liked it. We all thought, wow, we we need more of this kind of talk and this kind of thought process. And you know, I'm going to let him talk, and, 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 and again, it's an interview I did on a live version. If you want to see it, if you can find it on um, Surefire's uh, Facebook page, it's on YouTube. I got knocked off of, of Facebook for, for 30 days because something dumb uh, from two years ago. It was a slightly political post, but of course... Uh, you know, me being conservative, it uh, it, it, it hit the ner- all the wrong Facebook police and they they said you posted this and shouldn't have. And I'm going to tell you what it was because I think it was so stupid. It was it said jump for Trump, you know, social justice. If you, if you don't like it, jump for Trump, you know, and show your hatred for him or whatever. Just kind of a funny little post. It was literally two years ago. And I got a notice that this was uh, inciting suicide in people and so they're knocking me off for 30 days i can't go live and i can't sell anything or do anything so crazy stuff and uh so anyway i am going to let you listen to this interview and i will be back when we're finished tonight's guest is a gentleman that he reached out to me uh i don't know probably six or eight months ago Uh, he was doing a podcast called zero to five thousand and they interview people that were on the founders that were on the the Inc. 5000 list, and he and I just hit it off right off the bat. We, as we talked, I was like, "Gosh, I could talk to this guy forever." And I was on his podcast, and he was on mine, and and I asked him to uh, to join us because the next step was I brought him in to uh, kind of talk to a group of my people, about fifteen of them. And just to kind of test, you know, if my group was receptive and the neatest thing happened was after we finished with Drew, um, the people, my whole office was buzzing about it and talking about it. And we are going to bring him on to work with our whole company. And without further ado, I'm going to bring Drew on. Hey, Drew. Oh, I got you muted. Hold on. Hold on. You're muted. Oh, okay. What's going on, buddy? How are you? Hey, I'm great. How are you doing tonight? Excited to be here with you, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah. um, Cody Whitwood followed me over just really quickly. He says, Chimney Whitwood, 
says, yay, chimney time. Let's have some fun. It's a, so it's a live conversation, Drew, just so you know. Uh, people will be saying some. Uh, he prefers the uh, YouTube formats less glitchy. That's good to know. So, um, Drew, tell everybody who you are what, and what, what your company does. Yeah, yeah. So I'm the co-founder of Mitchell McClure, and we are a coaching company that does people development for fast-growing companies. So right. typically our target market is often between 50 employees to 150, 250 employees around that range. Um, and they're in the stage that we would call going from organic to organized. And right. growth is starting to create some issues. And so we come in and help them specifically with the talent development side. So most of the people that are listening are probably aren't quite to 50, but I can tell you what's happening in our industry is we've been, we haven't been around that long. Really late 70s, early 80s is when this whole chimney industry um, really took off in the United States. Now, it's very old in Europe and other countries, but for the U.S., we really didn't do much with it. So a lot of guys got into this industry and they were great technicians and we developed as technicians, technicians, technicians. And now in, in the last, I would say five to 10 years, there's been more of a focus on truly running businesses. And now these technicians and, and, and also new people get in the business want to grow true businesses. And we, I feel like we're behind a little bit. And so when you're talking to this group, you're talking to people that may be 10 people, plus and yeah. so and and some of the things that you and i have hit on are just so very impactful that people need to know now as they grow so how yeah. would you so do you want to you just you just go down your road and, and share your screen or like i said i've got some uh, i've got some of your topics that are ready too yeah yeah if you want um i can share my screen and we can actually look at the um hold on You can look at some of the content that I talk. Look, Chrome has lost permission to capture your screen. I'm I think when you hit share screen in the upper right, click window or application, hit application. If it's letting you do it. I think it should let me do it. All right. Well, I'll just talk through it. So basically... What I was talking to your company about is as your company grows, there are typically three things that start to get challenged and need some work. So the first is what we we're going to talk about more tonight, potentially, and that's unlocking your people's capacity, right? right. So especially in y'all's line of work, seasonally, there are just really tough periods of time where people are required to carry a heavy load, to show up and be very present and switched on is the, is the way we would think about it. And when they're not, when they start struggling with burnout and they start struggling and kind of being in an energy deficit and survival zone, you can be lost customers, lost potential revenue, uh, employee turnover, you know, company morale. Those kinds of things start to suffer when our capacity takes a hit. Right. And so right. there's a few other ones. Uh, capabilities, making sure your people actually have the skill set to execute on the vision that you're you're kind of casting to them. And then the third is cohesion, that people know how to row together in sync, that there's not a bunch of different personalities and agendas pulling in different directions, but they're like, hey, we're, we're a unified front rowing in sync. Uh, but what seemed to really resonate 
with you and with your people was that idea of sustaining high performance. Yeah. Like, how do we avoid burnout, right? We, this time in almost all blue collar, I'm sure that you're seeing it, that we're all super busy. Like we are, everybody in home services seems to be, they're having a banner year. And in, in our service specifically, we're kind of used to having a slightly sl slower time through the spring and summer, nobody's slowing down. And you work with my team and we did that test on burnout. Yeah. And tell people about that. And that was eye-opening for me. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we really borrow from the best whenever, you know, we're, we're similar maybe to the construction industry where if somebody's already done it great, you use that process, no, no need to reinvent the wheel. And we really uh, rely on the research by Tony Schwartz and Jim Lair, uh, who first got their background in coaching as performance coaches for athletes. Some of the top 100 uh, tennis players in the world, like Steffi Graf and Pete Sampras and pe people like that. Then they started working with Olympic athletes and NFL athletes. But then the corporate world started taking notice of their research and their results and said, well, hey, our people have to perform. They, they have to be able to show up and really you know, give their best on a regular basis. Could this apply to us? And of course it did, right? And so everything I'm about to share research-wise comes from them. I just want to give good source credit to those sure. guys. Um, but basically what they found is that as we get older, demand is on an ever-increasing curve, right? So what do we take from that? Well, the first is that most people underestimate the amount of demand that is not just present currently, but is going to be increasing as they get older or even promoted. And so there's kind of a trap. There's a fallacy that people fall into that says, this is the busiest I'll ever be. If I can just get through this, it doesn't matter how I get through this, but if I can just get through this, then next year, next season, after this moment, it'll get back to normal. But what they found is that with every new increase, with every new responsibility comes extra you know, demand on us. So demand is on an ever increasing curve and we have to be able to just kind of accept that. But when they found in, in terms of capacity, capacity starts off early in our life as being higher than our demand, then it starts to plateau and starts to tail off. And so at some point there's a switch right. where we have more demand on us than we have the capacity to show up to that demand. And that's when people start describing their lives as busy, stressful, man, it's just a lot. What they're experiencing is, is that gap between the amount of demand on them and the, the, the shortage of capacity, right? And so they really started going to work on that and said, well, can we move the capacity curve up to re-meet the demand on our life? And so most people go to time management. That's why that was a craze you know, in the 90s and early 2000s was time management, time management, time management, which if you haven't done any time management work, sure, that'll buy you a little bit of capacity. But you and I both know at some point, even if you're prioritizing and doing the 80-20 rule and time blocking, you still have a full calendar that exhausts you. Yes. And so they said, is there anything else that we could work with besides time? And what they found was what they would call energy management. Time is finite. And there's nothing you can do to change it. You only got 24 hours in a day. But energy can be both expanded and it can be renewed. So we can increase the amount we have and we can renew it when it's gone. And so their goal and our goal of our clients is to help people get more done in less time. Where the goal isn't more time. 
It's how do I get more done in less time and easier so that I can keep doing this today, tomorrow, next year, next season, and not just you know run till I drop. Does that make sense? It does. And then also how important recovery was, was really eye-opening yes. when you talked about that. Yeah. So let me, let me just um, put one more pin in real quick for us to maybe talk about. So what they identified is four sources of energy, right? So if we're just wrapping our, our mind around what do we mean? Are we talking about like cosmic energy? No. What we're talking about is that you have a physical source of energy and that physical source determines the the amount or the quantity of energy you have, how much or how little. And that's derived from our sleep, from our exercise, from our food and our active recovery. But then the second category is emotional energy, right? And you know this, if you've been in a lot of heavy conversations, if you've been like really navigating some challenge and conflict, it, it depletes you. Like it's an energy that starts to, do, to, to dwindle, right? And you start going from happy, optimistic to jaded, anxious, defensive, your emotional energy starts to change. The third category is mental energy. And that has a lot to do with either being focused or scattered. Like I either feel zeroed in, I know what the objective is, captain. You know, I know the play, I'm gonna execute the play. Or I feel like I have so many I have so many things and I don't know what fire to put out first. And I'm making decisions, I get the decision fatigue and you start getting brain fog. That's the mental side. And then the fourth, they would call soul or spiritual capacity of energy is around things like your values and your purpose and whether or not you're connecting at a deep level to what it is you're doing, right? And we see this uh, even in, 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 in things that you wouldn't naturally associate that with, like the service industry or blue-collar work, but when people start connecting it to their ability to provide for their family, they feel purpose behind it. Or if they say, man, I get to come in and I get to serve a client and take care of a need, and that's gratifying, there's purpose behind that, right? And so those are the four categories we're working with, physical, right. emotional, mental, and spiritual. And then we did an audit where, we, where like over decades of research, they know what questions to ask in each of those categories to get a good idea if you're giving your you know, body, mind, heart, and soul the things it needs to be energized. And that gives you that pretty sobering score where you're like, I mean, every time someone sees it, they always go, this is why I'm feeling the way I'm feeling. Right. I'll tell you, when when my team did that score, some of the people were mad. Like they were mad that they let themselves get to that that level of stress. Because is it a stress score? Or what 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 is the score that you're receiving that when you do yeah. that test? Yeah. So it's how effective and intentional are you being in each of those areas? Right. Okay. So like on the physical side, it's saying, do I eat adequate? You know, do I eat breakfast? or not do i sleep seven to eight hours a night and wake up feeling recovered which i want to talk about that because we had an interesting breakthrough with one of your people on sleep yeah um or it might you know on the mental side it might say um do i feel like i am being proactive with my time or reactive to all the demands on me right and so it's gauging the different <laughs> areas of your life and what am i doing or not doing that's either going to make me healthy in that area or really lagging and tired in that area so when we did that, my team, like I said before, some of them were really, that test helped them put a pinpoint on why they were feeling like they were. And, and you did a great job of saying, hey, that's totally normal. And, and there's ways to get out of that. So you're not feeling like that all the time. K 
Can you talk about the quadrants that you talk yeah. about? Yeah, and just just a caveat on that, especially for very type A driven, you know, perfectionist people, I always have to make a caveat that that score does not reflect anything like morally. This isn't about whether you're succeeding or failing. Right. This is about how much horsepower is currently being untapped in you. So okay. if you're a if you're a V8 and the score reflects that you're only operating on two cylinders, it should be good news that I could find a way to access six more cylinders and how much easier could I get up the hills I'm climbing if I had all lights switched on, right? Right. It's, it's not a judgment. It's just saying like, here's going to be an indicator for why you're feeling the way you feel. And then we can start to reverse engineer how to get out of it. So the quadrants is interesting. What they basically did is they gave a two by two matrix where there's a vertical axis that's measuring how high or how much or how little energy you have, right? And then on the x-axis, on the horizontal axis, it's measuring how negative or how positive your current emotional state is. Now, this was not a theory imposed on this. This came out of them asking athletes first and then business professionals questions like this. Go back to the last time you had a day that you crushed your goals and were really proud of the person that you were, right? That maybe you navigated something challenging and you did it well, or you you were focused and you got a lot done and you thought, if I could just repeat those days, I'd really be onto something. And they said, okay, you got that memory? What were you feeling on those days? What state were you in? And every time they, they said, I had a lot of energy, I wasn't tired, I was really switched on, and I was feeling something on the positive side of emotions, that was something like confident, challenged, optimistic, you know, um, uh, invigorated. And it's like, okay. So the research is telling us that is what they would call performance state. When you have high energy and you have high positive emotions, you are going to be in your basically the best state that's conducive for getting great results, right? So then they started noticing what happens when any of those change. Well, the first thing that usually goes is the emotional energy starts to go away from positive towards negative because maybe you got a discouraging email from a client. Maybe if you're doing sales, you got shut, you went 0 for 5 today. Or maybe a colleague, you know, triggered you and pissed you off. Boss sent you an email that, you know, came, came down on you or something. And all of a sudden your emotional energy changes and you start experiencing things like still high energy, but you are maybe defensive Maybe you're feeling anxious. Maybe you're feeling agitated and irritable. And they call that the survival zone. And what's interesting is those are the two quadrants that most people ping pong back and forth in any given day. So they may start off in the performance zone and then very easily get knocked off center and for the rest of the day are in survival zone. And that's okay because every one of these quadrants exists evolutionarily for a reason, right? If there's a real fire in the building, you don't want people in performance zone. You want them in survival zone. Right. You want their adrenal, you know, through the roof. You want them hyper-focused, not caring about people's feelings. Like, we just got to go and get out of here, right? Yeah. But the problem is humans have a hard time distinguishing, distinguishing between true danger and discomfort. Like, you getting shut down in a sales conversation is not dangerous. You don't need to be in survival zone. It was just uncomfortable, right? right. You being asked to do something challenging is not dangerous. It's just uncomfortable. And the longer they stay in the survival zone, it starts chewing away like a gas guzzling engine 
at their capacity. And so once that energy level drops, they drop down into the lower left quadrant, which is burnout. And that's where now you're, you're feeling hopeless. You're looking for another job. You're just thinking, how do I get to the weekend? You're not even thinking about a future anymore. Everything is right here present, and it's, it's not looking good. The last quadrant is called the recovery zone. And that's where you're on the high positive scale, but you're on low energy. So what that means might be right now, somebody might be watching this, and it's not requiring you to be caffeinated. It's not requiring you to exert energy, but it might be feeding you mentally or feeding you emotionally, and you're recovering because something is kind of pouring into you. Right. And so what I was talking to your team about is what if instead of following basically life's natural paths, you know, this is something I mentioned to your team, most of us are who we are in accident when we could become who we want to be on purpose. So I'll say that again. Most of us are who we are on accident when we could become who we want to be on purpose. And so if we just go out of, here's how I've always done it, I'm just reacting to the situation, we'll go back and forth between survival and performance and probably eventually fall into burnout. But if you're like an athlete, you say, hey, if I start to slip, if I, if I notice myself starting to slip, I'm going to go straight into recovery, right? I'm going right. to give my body the recovery it needs to build back the muscles. I'm going to give my body the water it needs, or maybe I need to take a day off of practice and let my injuries recover so that I can as quickly as possible get back into a performance state. And those be the two things I'm used to going back and forth between, right? right. You were saying that athletes are really good at that. In fact, that's part of their thing. They know recovery is part of a a work day when they're in performance mode, they know there's recovery. It's, it's built in. It's the chiropractic, it's the muscles, it's the stretching yet in business. We don't recover very well. We just go straight into performance. And then like you say, teeter back and forth on that survival mode. And a lot of times burnout mode. And when you're the owner and you're burned out, man, that's bad for everybody. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that for a second. So, there's a, there's a, I think there's an interesting dynamic between people's capabilities and their capacity, right? So, 100%. so sometimes the gap between your results and like what you want and what you're getting is a cap- is a skill gap, is a capability gap. And a good example would be at the beginning of COVID, my business lost 36% of its revenue overnight, and because of you know people freezing outside budgets, and it's totally understandable. But it put us in a position that for the first time we had to learn sales up until that point, my business had been totally word of mouth referral based. Right. And so I didn't have a skill of sales. And so we realized we had a skill gap and we went and hired somebody we trusted to come in and give us skills to do sales in a way that was integrous to us, but effective in order to build our business, even in a tough time. Right. Now that we have the skills though, the difference between a day that we did sales well and the day that we didn't do sales well isn't about capabilities. It's about capacity because your capacity either brings your capabilities to life or it robs you in the moment of your capa- of your capabilities, right? Yeah. So talk about you as a founder. If you're well-rested, you're optimistic, you're switched on to your business and its future and your people, and you have an issue, all your capabilities come to bear. You have the patience you need. You have the, the conflict management skills you need. You, 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 just, you navigate it and you just figure it out. But let's say they catch you on a day, maybe at the end of a long season, where you're a worn slap out. 
and, and, and you just don't know, man, how much longer can I be doing this? And the same situation arises. It's like when a word's on the tip of your tongue, but you can't grab it. Your capabilities that used to be there aren't there. And you're like, you're not patient. You don't navigate the conversation well. You make, the, you make it worse, you know, and you make rash decisions that you wouldn't have done in your better judgment. It's like, what was that? That wasn't a capability issue. That was you being on low energy. And it's the same thing for me as a father. On the days that I'm a good dad, I got energy for them. I got patience for them. I'll play with them. You know, I'll navigate the, the temper tantrums. And then the days that I regret my actions were the days that I was worn out and I got my grouchy side came out and you know, I snapped at them or and I pacified the situation instead of solving the situation. Does that make sense? That's so right. You're you're dead on it. And I, we all bounce back and forth from that time. I, I mean, 100 percent. I know once I've had if I get I get decision fatigue quite a bit. Yeah. And then, I just get short with people. I, I'm just short. I, I speed everything up. Yeah, so this sounds ridiculous until you've experienced it. And I, it sounded ridiculous to me. When I, heard, when I heard that Steve Jobs was wearing the same thing every morning so that he could avoid making decisions on stupid stuff so that he had decision energy left for important stuff, I just thought it was some Tech Valley cute, you know, cute thing they were doing, right? And then I started running my own business and realized that there really is a finite tank inside of me to make good decisions. Yes. And so I better be intentional about what kinds of things I'm applying brain power to and making a decision on and automating or delegating as many things that don't really matter as possible. You know? Yeah. So good. Let me, uh, uh, Cody Whitwood, he's uh, he he is on this, and he he comments quite a bit. He's he's really a high energy guy, but uh, and I'm just going to go through some of his stuff. And maybe you can see sure. if you truly love what uh, if you truly love what you do, it doesn't feel like work. However, you can still burn out. Um, I like rotating responsibilities and cross training to keep it fresh. Um, he also said right here, he told you to preach when you were talking about, uh, about burnout and, and as a thing, but here's a, one of his questions. He yeah. says, do you ever evaluate individual individuals using uh, Briggs Myers personality test? Yes. Yep. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. Yeah. So there's a host of tests that I like for different purposes. Um, we're certified in Myers Briggs. I'm an INFP, if that means anything to you. Um, and so I've had to overcome my, my INFP ways in certain, in certain, uh, categories and utilize the strengths of it and others. Uh, we're also certified in the Enneagram. Uh, love that personality test. We're all like Enneagram. That's a, that was a wow factor when we, we started doing that. The Enneagram was the first thing that made me get, I got, when I read what number I was, it, it, it so deeply spoke to my inner world and my secrets and my 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 hab my habitual you know uh, I got up out of bed. My wife was asleep, and I was reading it. I got out of bed and took my shirt off because I was so hot. I felt like I felt called <laughs> out. I you you do feel called out. So what number are you? I'm a nine with an eight wing. Okay, I'm a three with an eight wing. And well, uh, you can't have an eight wing, but you could have you could have eight as your second primary number. Okay. That's my second primary number. You're, you're yeah. right. You're yep. right, right. Those are often, those are often the, the wing case. is right onto one side or the other of your main, right? Yep. And then we also use the predictive index. That's been a really good one for pre-hire because all these other tests aren't actually uh, technically legal to be using in pre-hire. People could claim bias. Oh, um, 
but the predictive index has gone through so many rigorous uh, research studies that it has a predictable rate of a job fit for somebody based on their personality that we like to use that in companies for pre-hire because it's vetted. Um, but yeah, I love them all. Yeah. Uh, Cody says here he's an ESTP. All right. All right. <laughs> so let me just go over some of those things. And um, you talk about this on your website. People development doesn't have to be a profit pit. And that is a big expense for a lot of us, especially when it goes south, when the person doesn't work out. On We've spent years, thousands of dollars and sometimes it makes you not want to pour into people when you get burned bad from from pouring into people. Yep. So what do you mean by this? How how can it not be a profit pit? I I personally know how, but how do you explain it? Yeah, yeah. So there's two ways maybe it might be worth talking about this. The first was when I heard somebody tell me this about marketing, right? So let's use marketing as an example before people development. I heard one somebody say if you if you're doing effective marketing, you'll never have a marketing budget. Now, that's an extreme statement and may not be true in all cases, but the sentiment was if marketing is working well, that means you spent a dollar to get $2, right? Right. So it's not an expense. It's, it's a moneymaker. Right. So you wouldn't be having a budget. Most people have marketing budgets because their marketing isn't efficient or isn't effective. So when they spend a dollar, they make 50 cents. And so that's why, that's why they have a budget because it, it's not making the company money. Mm -hmm. And I would say it's the same in people development that if we don't really have a, a if we don't really have a talent strategy a people strategy that fits with our business and our people then we're just throwing money down the tube we're just doing a book of the month club or we're throwing a training at them and it's 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 maybe alleviating a pain but it's not taking care of a problem right so it's kind of like it's kind of like treating a symptom but not treating the problem and so what we what we would say is if you take the time to accurately understand the needs of your business and the right people and what they're going to need to be successful in that business, then every dollar you spend in the right development is an investment, not an expense because it should, I mean, we've told you this, it should have a five to 10 X ROI. Sure. And so like, that's why we even spent time with you, Mark saying like, let's quantify the problem because I only want to be offering you, you know, we talk about it as malpractice. If I offer you a solution that doesn't work, it's not what you need in a sense. That's malpractice. Like, we, we we are here for you to spend money to get more. Meaning, most people, and this is maybe what this what you're getting at. Most people think they have to choose people or profit. Right. So I'm either a people person and almost like a nonprofit, right? That I, I say, yeah. oh, it's okay, my people love me, but we're not making any money. Or they say, nope, it's all about the profit and people are just an expense or, you know, they can come in and come out. I don't really care. All I care about is the profit. And we would say the research shows when you do people development, well, it, it leads a series of events to profitability. And I well, you know, not only that for the owner, it leads to a much better run company with less chaos and a happier place to work. And so when you, when you have, like, I've got a lot of people been with me, 10 plus years. And when and those people have, I've invested, they know how to run the company. And when they're happy and thriving as an owner, it's, it's all most of us really want is to be able to have a company that runs well, is a good place to work, has a good culture. To, and, and two other things, 
has a good product and makes a profit at the end of the day. And when you get that with your good people, you know, first, when you're developing people, it's like you're develop. you know, you got a little kid, like a little toddler, you got to kind of watch them and make sure they walk everywhere. But if you've developed them, it's more like now you got a college athlete and you're yeah. watching on the sidelines go, wow, look at them go. You know, that's, that's what people development is like to me. Yes. Oh, that's it. So we talk about, this actually comes from uh, Giant. Giant is a, is, a, is a friend of ours. It's another great coaching company, but they have a tool that's called like the, the apprenticeship square. And it's the stages of development that you are wanting to take people through. And it starts off with them not knowing what they're doing and they're even unaware of what they don't know. So they call that unconscious incompetence. I don't know what I don't know. Right. And that's where you're talking about. You got to really lead them by the hand and say, come watch me as I do this. Let me show you. But if they go, I'll say for time, if they go through the four stages, they end up with conscious competence. They know what to do and they know why. Or sorry, they end up with unconscious confidence where they're so good at what they do. It's almost like driving where you're not even thinking about it anymore. Correct. And the, and the benefit to you is you have an adult out there, not a dependent. Right. You've got somebody that knows your values. They know your processes and they deliver results without you having to micromanage them. And so good people development sets people up for autonomy, not dependency. And the owner up for profitability and peace, you know? Yeah. yeah. So catch this. You only, uh, let, me, let me take you through the people profit chain. There's a chain of events, right? So at the beginning of the chain is – I'm doing this all off the cuff, so let's see if I can get it all. At the beginning of the, of the chain is talent acquisition and talent strategy. So it all starts with did I hire the right people and did I have a strategy for what to do with them when I got them, right? right. Out of that, hiring talent acquisition, talent strategy – it leads to whatever your talent development system is, right? It's just a bucket. You may have nothing in there. Hopefully you have something, but that could be, here's how we onboard them. This is how we train them and our processes. And it's however we're developing the talent we have to get the result we want. Right. Out of the talent development comes a culture. And that culture could be healthy and high performing, or it could be toxic and low performing. Whatever that culture is produces a few things. It's going to produce, um, uh, how your people go out and deliver your product or service and whether you retain people or not. Right. So it's kind of multi-tiered. So these people that we're training go out and deliver our product or service. And then they also either stick around or they don't. Outside of that, we eat, we then get long-term customers and customer loyalty and retention and, and raving fans where we lose them and have to keep getting new customers all the time. And, and that kind of thing. Right. Uh, yeah. and out of that comes the revenue and the profitability. So right. it's a direct connection between the right people being invested in and them carrying out your service, leading to better customers and, and better lifetime, lifetime customer value that leads to greater profitability, especially when you avoid turnover. Turnover starts crushing the profitability. Yep. I mean, you know, it's kind of like they become the plug in the bottom of the bathtub, right? If they're really good, you, uh, you keep the customers and you're not always trying to have to turn that marketing engine on for new customers because the old ones are so happy with you and they lo it. love your company so much that they don't go anywhere. That's and it. So then you, that expense of marketing can go away yeah. now, or, or it can be a lot less. You know? yeah, yeah, the balance, the scale, like it goes from usually spending a ton of marketing dollars on acquiring new, new clients to that yeah. budget starts to shrink because your old clients are bringing you 
right. either, either upselling themselves or they're bringing you their, their friends saying, you got to use Ashbusters. Correct. Right? Yeah, you don't. Yeah. And for us, we've, we used to have a much bigger marketing budget over time. And there's a couple of reasons why I've been able to shrink it because we've been able to focus on what works. But the idea is that your quality goes up with the people that have been with you a long time. And therefore, you can spend less money to keep, you know, to keep the, the tub full, basically. All right, everyone, that is the first part of a two-part series again, because my Surefire Lives are about an hour long, but my podcast is half hour long, so I'm going to break it up. I hope you are enjoying Drew's outlook on things as much as I really do. I feel like I could talk to the guy all day long and learn a ton from him, and he's not that old, and, and uh, but he's high energy. He gets it, and I'm looking forward to our our thing starts in July with him, and it's going to be a basically a nine nine week thing. It can be different or eight weeks actually, um, and we are going through two hours every two weeks or hour and a half with him, and working as a team on these things because as he talks about burnout and what to do about it, my team when we stay in high performance mode burnout comes and that is happening to a ton of companies right now they're everybody if, if you're in blue collar you're not getting a break and everybody is getting tired the money is good you know the you can charge a lot of money it's hard to get people but then when you got good people how do you stop from burning them out so i hope you enjoyed part one stay tuned for part two next week and we'll talk to you soon Thanks for listening to the Blue Collar Gold Podcast. Please subscribe on iTunes or any place that you listen to podcasts. More information is also available at markstoner.com.